The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. This is Faustina trying to describe the indescribable, the painter trying to do the impossible. Obviously, she saw God. This painting is an attempt to make the unfathomable fathomable. You know, what an impossible task for that painter. Impossible. It is really as close as a painter can come. You can see there is uh, Jesus Christ, his reason. He continued to have uh, the signs of the passion and death, but his reason. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that's audio from a documentary called The Original Image of Divine Mercy. And thought we'd talk about it today. Uh, we're celebrating the apparition of our Lord to St. Faustina on this day back in 1931. And, and I'll give you a quick thumbnail of my own uh, introduction to divine mercy. I mean, God is, uh, <laughs> he's got such a, a, a divine plan for all of us. Uh, I had pr- produced a, a documentary on Marian apparitions, and apparently the future vice postulator for the cause of St. Faustina or actually he was the vice postulator, he saw it. And he went to the management um, of, of the Marians. He was a Marian. His name is Father Sefer Michelenko. And says, we need a documentary like this to promote divine mercy. And, of course, I got a call. You'll probably hear the story from a friend of mine who I've invited to stop by here uh, talking about it. I knew nothing about divine mercy. I knew nothing at all about it. I got boxes of videotapes and books and diaries and began to immerse myself in it. But I was ultimately mentored by Father Seraphim Michelenko, um, who I, I really do believe personally one day, I think is going to be raised to the altars, and we'll see. Um, he was a man of great sanctity, great holiness. He was present for the miracles that led to the beatification of St. Faustina, instrumental in working to make sure that the miracle regarding Father Ron Pytel uh, came to fruition, translated the diary. I mean, he's done so much to advance the cause of divine mercy. I just, I miss him very much. He died two years ago. Uh, but boy, what a powerhouse man that he was and what a powerful intercessor I know he'll be. He worked very closely with a man named Fran Borden who uh, helped to spread the divine mercy all throughout the country. And he joins me right now. And Fran, thank you so much for, for being here today. And thanks for, for joining me. Um, you remember those early days, right? I didn't know anything about you guys. I didn't know anything about divine mercy. And I get a phone call. I think it was from you. That's correct. I remember you say, who, what? <laughs> it's like, What? <laughs> So t- t- tell us the story, friend. I, uh, of course, you know, I was then introduced to, to Father Surf and I came to Stockbridge. I fell in love with Divine Mercy, went to Poland, was there for the beatification. I learned about the image. Um, fill me in on what happened next. So, you know, this image, there are so many miracles and stories. I was talking a little bit about them before you came on and I barely even scratched the surface of the things that have been reported about it. Share the story of how Divine Mercy made it to the States, and ultimately how the image of Divine Mercy made it to a church in Massachusetts, and that image to this day still hangs there. Well, thank you, Jewel, for this opportunity. Um, today with me is Father Paul Norman, the pastor of St. Stan's in Adams and Notre Dame churches in Adams, and St. Mary's in Cheshire. Also, Kathy Lazinski, the chairperson of the St. Stanislaus Preservation Project, and Eugene Minkalenko 
town of Adams and St. Stan's historian, and the nephew of Father Seraphim. He actually wow. knew Father Seraphim growing up. Wow. So I, before we start, I'd like to have Father Paul give us an opening prayer. Sure. Sure. That be my pleasure. Let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord Jesus, we seek your divine mercy in our lives. We ask that uh, we be cleansed in your precious blood at this moment, that you be in our lips and on our hearts, that we may be pleasing to you in all that we say, think, and do. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, Drew, as, um, going back to the very beginning, you mentioned when the uh, Nazis and the communists took over Poland. At that point, Father Michael Sapochko, the confessor for, Father, uh, for Sister Faustina, he had documents in his possession that included the image and other writings of his own and the diary. And he realized that it, there was a chance that this would get lost during the invasions. So he invited a priest from the Marian community, Father Joseph Yazembowski, and gave him certain of these documents and the image and asked him to bring it to safety in the United States. That was 1940. Um, Father Joseph did a perilous journey across Russia through Japan, and this obviously was before the um, Pearl Harbor, yeah, wow. across the Pacific and arrived eventually in Washington, D.C., where he met up with a priest by the name of Father Walter Pelchinski. Father Walter was very enamored with this message and enlisted the help of the Felician sisters, and they printed up these small prayer cards, Divine Mercy prayer cards, with the image on the front and a prayer on the back, and by the thousands and thousands, gave them to the chaplains across the street at the Pentagon. Those images ended up going to our soldiers and eventually spreading throughout the world as they went and fought wars all over the, Europe and the Pacific. Mm. Um, the interesting part of this is, if you remember in the diary, the Lord said to Faustina that this message will be spread throughout the world. And she was flabbergasted when he said that because she was just a humble nun. Well, in this case, this may have been the first opportunity of the fulfillment of that prophecy. Wow. Father Pelchinski then took the image and in a visit with uh, St. Stan's Parish here in, in Adams, he brought the image up here and presented it to the pastor. I'm going to leave the rest of that discussion to Eugene when he talks about the history of the church. Father Pell was up here because he wanted to purchase some land because they were outgrowing their house in Washington. So he went to the parish and to the parishioners and his friends and family and collected enough money to buy a former Protestant seminary in the town of Stockbridge, hmm. which your listeners will know as the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy today. So this parish was very much involved with the purchase of the property. Then the parishioners in mass donated furniture, bedding, all kinds of fixings for the place and went down and helped Father Pell and his Marians to clean the monastery and refurbish it so they could live in it. Yeah. Six years later, that was 1944, yeah. six years later when they started the building of the shrine, 
three people from this parish were actually instrumental in the building of the of the shrine itself. Wow. So this St. Stan's Church and the Marians have a very, very long uh, relationship. Now, I'd like to go back a little bit to Father Pell, because he had an understudy, also a, a fellow parishioner from St. Stan's. This understudy was Father Seraphim Minkalenko. Oh, wow. And at one time, Father Seraphim, this would have been um, after the Second World War was done and the communists owned all of Poland, Father Seraphim actually smuggled microfilmed copies of the diary out of Poland and brought them back to the United States. Together with his Marians, they took this and they produced the first Polish version of the diary. And that was in 19... 78. I was late. From the Pol- yeah, from the Polish diary, they then started the arduous task of translating the Polish language to the English langu- language, keeping the doctrinal parts correct. And that actually what caused the original ban is improper translations. Yeah, right. So in 1987, the Marians, also in Stockbridge, produced the first printed version. And now there's many, many millions of this printed version all over the world. The English version and the Polish version, which Father Seraphim was instrumental in both, is actually the base, the base document right. in which all the other languages are used yeah. throughout the world. Well, Fran, we only have a, probably 15, 20 minutes um, of time to talk, so I want to also get back to the image itself and talk about that. How did it make it to the 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 church at St. Stan's? Uh, and I understand Father Seraphim, who, who we both have admiration for, would pray before this image, ultimately celebrated his first ma- uh, mass there. Um, fill us in on the history of the church and, and the image that hangs there, because that image was there since, what, 1940-something? It's probably, this is Eugene Michaelinko. Hey, um, Eugene. And, uh, hi. It's probably been there since 1943 is our best estimate. Uh, no written, nobody has any memory of it when it was put up or anything. I wish Father Pelczynski was still alive. He would know for sure exactly when it happened. But Father Pelczynski, when he came, was sent up to buy the property in Stockbridge, um, went to Father Kempinski, who was the pastor at St. Stanislaus Church, and asked him for help. And I'm told that Father Kempinski gave him some kind of financial resources, but also uh, rallied uh, his parishioners to help him uh, um, get furniture and, and furnish the place as well. Somewhere along the line, Father Yershambowski must have visited Adams, uh, and or he through Father Pelczynski, where they uh, uh, realized the importance of the divine mercy. And Father Kempinski, I'm told, is the one who commissioned the painting. And that painting is the first one in the east of uh, the northern uh, north and western hemisphere, uh, other than one I believe that's in a convent out in Michigan. Oh wow! I, I don't know anything about so, the Michigan one either. So this is the first one to hang. It's my understanding, right? In the United States, in public, in public view. The yeah. other one is in a, a cloistered convent. Oh wow! How cool! Uh, so. History that I'm learning today. I, I think it's I think it's so neat. So it was publicly displayed. Um, it does it still hang there today, Eugene? Can people go and pray before it? Oh, yes, definitely. And uh, there's also a, 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 a relic to St. Faustina Kowalska just below it. 
uh, that Father Seraphim was instrumental in bringing to the parish as well. That's amazing. Um, I don't, you know, um, Father Pilczynski and, uh, and uh, Father Seraphim uh, grew up together. They were uh, children together, grew up on oh. Richmond Street. Uh, and uh, Father Pilczynski went off to the Marian Fathers and uh, was ordained in, what, 1941 or 42. Mm-hmm. And then Father Pil- uh, Seraphim uh, left Adams in 46 uh, and went to a minor seminary in uh, Washington, D.C., and was uh, made his first vows, I think, when he was still only like 17 or 18 years old. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's amazing. It's amazing how God works, too, because he would pray before this image, wouldn't he, in in, uh, in the church. And I'm sure the graces that flowed from it there, you know, gave him this, this uh, he was commissioned to really be a champion of divine mercy. It's pretty amazing. What, what, uh, Eugene, what, what was your uncle like? What did he say to you? And, um, you know, how, what was his relationship to divine mercy? Was he super passionate about it with you? And did he introduce you to it? Uh, no, I had known about it before, but he had been, uh, when he was chosen to be vice postulator, he was totally engrossed in it. I mean, that was his aim and total part of his life. Yeah. I knew him earlier when he was still a, uh, just a, a parish priest and he would serve uh, several parishes, one in Australia. And I was a child when he came back from Australia and, uh, he always impressed me with his holiness and, uh, his uh, quiet voice. And uh, his gentleness. Wow. Um, he, he was the uh, middle child of eleven children. Yep. Uh, and uh, he, there were eight boys, and uh, four of the yep. family entered religious life. Wow. Two of his sisters became Felician sisters. That's crazy. The, the group that uh, promoted the Divine Mercy originally. Wow. And then he had another brother who was also a Marian father, but then became a, a chaplain and worked in the campus ministry at uh, Georgetown University. I don't want to interrupt you, but let me take a quick call. And and Fran or whoever's there, you may want to respond to this as well. We're talking about how this image was handed out in you know, the early 1940s and was spread throughout the world. Jan is in Wheaton, Illinois. She said she was going through her dad's thing and she when he died and found something interesting. Jan, good afternoon. Hi, thank you so much for the for all of the information. Um, several years ago when my dad passed, we had gone through all of his things. And when we got to all of the stuff that he brought back from the army, here was a holy card with a picture of Jesus with divine mercy and the prayer on the back. And I was flabbergasted. And that that was from World War II that he was in. And that, I know, it was like, oh, my goodness, so wonderful. And we, and actually how we, um, my mom when my dad was passing away, which is in 20, uh, 2015, mm-hmm. I, I forget it. No. Um, anyway, several, several years ago, I forget exactly the year. And my mom had, and we were, um, he was unconscious and in intensive care. And she taught us the divine mercy chaplet. And so my whole, my brothers and myself and my mom and uh, father Tom from India, we would sit in the waiting room, you know, when we couldn't be by his bedside and we'd be praying the divine mercy chaplet with the rosary over and over again for him. 
And you, and you know the promises associated with that devotion, Jan. I know you know that. Um, and that image, too, keep it. That is a, that's a keepsake. Oh, my gosh, 1942. Uh, Fran, you know, I, I don't know how many of those have ever have survived. I'm sure there are some that are out there, but Jan has got a real treasure, doesn't she? She sure does. And we know, now we know exactly where that came from. Yeah, no kidding. That's absolutely amazing. Jan, thank you for the call. And don't get rid of that. If you ever do, let me know. I would love to have that uh, for sure. I mean, boy, that would be a treasure, wouldn't it? Hey, Father Paul, I know you're with us here as well. Let me let me bring you into the conversation. And I'm, I'm grateful for what you do because I know that the image, um, perhaps one of the oldest images here in the States, the first, uh, other than one in that convent there, hangs in your in your parish. Um, yeah, what a blessing. Tell me about the connection with the church and, and your vision. Yeah, great, great. Uh, so... Uh, First of all, thanks for having us on. Secondly, uh, you know, I'm a native of Adams. So when the bishop came to me and said, uh, I'm sending you to Adams, I was both uh, uh, terribly frightened, but also grateful because, you know, both being home as a pastor has its pros and its cons, but it's been such a blessing for me. Uh, you know, at my last parish, uh, there was a prophetic dream that was handed on to me by a parishioner who had just left Eden Hill. Uh, and uh, was up there for confession. She was praying the chaplet, and she came back to me with a with a box of uh, Divine Mercy prayer cards, and she said, I received a message for you, Father. And I said, oh, what might that be? She said, well, she says, I was praying for you up, up on Eden Hill, and the Lord was very clear that you will be involved with the canonization of Father Seraphim Minkalinko, more so wow. you're going to be sent to Adams to be their pastor. And uh, within seven days after she said that, I received a phone call from Bishop Byrne, who said, guess what, you're going to Adams. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, you know, God is good, and, and, he, and he gives us, you know, what we call... Uh, uh, a signal graces, and, yeah. and certainly that was a signal grace for me. And, and, you know, the image says, Jesus, I trust in you for a reason. And uh, one is the, the, what Jesus did for us through his suffering on the cross. And the second is that his divine mercy is with us always, mm -hmm. given our ability to surrender to him and allow him to bestow his mercy upon us. So there's that. Uh, and and so it's been as soon as I I, I started here I met Fran and uh, together uh, uh, he had already begun the SSK preservation committee uh, with Kathy Lazinski who is the chair for the committee and I've been working closely with them and it's just been a, a great adventure with our Lord ever since. So so, so what is so, that, Father? Um, Explain oh. that. What is what is this preservation? Are you preserving the image? You're preserving the church? What are you doing? Well, what we're hoping to do is preserve the church, and and our our goal, uh, my vision, is to restore the church back to its natural beauty. You know, uh, if you walk into St. Stan's Church, it's one of the most beautiful churches in the world, wow. and it's important for us to know that, that uh, the Mass itself is transcendent, right? Mm -hmm. But the beauty and the goodness of the church— lends to that transcendence that's offered at Mass, yeah. see? Yeah. So when we immerse ourselves in beauty, we say, oh my, isn't that good? And then 
it helps elevate us to Christ so that when the holy sacrifice of the Mass is offered, the beauty and goodness of our surrounding lends to the sacrifice at the altar. Not that it it replaces it in any way. Of course not. No, no, we don't need that. You could celebrate Mass in a field and it's still holy Mass. But goodness and beauty lead us to the fullness of truth who is God. And so to to restore this church back to its natural beauty, uh, you know, would would lend to the holiness of the people in a particular way that people come in seeking divine mercy, people come in for Mass, and they're elevated to Christ through the beauty and goodness of the church even before Mass begins. I love that. So beautiful. I saw pictures of your uh, of your church prior to the uh you coming on today. I went to your website and uh, mm, spectacular. I mean, the, the art yeah, in that sure place—it's—it's it's lost. We see so much brutalism and uh, church design today, and I, I think you know those transcendentals mm. that we talk about—the good, the true, and the beautiful—they mm. lead us mm, to God. They—they mm-hmm. they really do. Yeah, sure. And I, yeah, I, you yeah. know, I, I think we're losing that in today's culture. I know it's expensive to to do. That's the part of the problem to build like well, we it used is to. Expensive. But, you, you know, ultimately, uh, and what we've lost in the world today is an element of what is true. Yes. Right? And, yes. and if we don't understand that God is truth, we'll yeah. always question what's good and beautiful. And then it becomes more relative and, and it becomes more subjective than, than, uh, than objective. And, and so there's, there's uh, the misleading quality of society today is that nobody understands truth. They think that truth is merely a subjective view of oneself. Yeah. Uh, rather than than an absolute truth from Almighty God, and and don't yeah. we see that alive and well in society today? Yes. Yeah. Well, Pope Benedict XVI he he coined a perfect phrase. He talked about the dictatorship of relativism that we have. Your yeah. truth is yeah. your truth. My truth is my you know my truth, and there's no truth, right? It's all relative. Yeah, and, and exactly. Exactly. Couldn't, couldn't be worse. So, no, that's for sure. But uh, you know, I, I would also say this that. Uh, you know, I'd like to quote, uh, take an excerpt from uh, uh, the uh, from uh, Saint Faustina's diary, sure. and this is uh, paragraph sixteen ninety eight. It says, "Today I saw two enormous pillars implanted in the ground. I implanted one of them in a certain person, S M, the other. Hmm. We had done so with unheard effort, much fatigue and difficulty, and when I had implanted the pillar." I myself wondered where such extraordinary strength had come from. We believe those initials could potentially be Seraphim Michalinko, wow. and that the connection of the Divine Mercy image here in our church is deeply connected to not only St. Maria Faustina, but the oh. entire Marian movement. And so the end goal is to have a deeper Marian involvement within our parish, and uh, don't you know, when we, even before I was ordained, uh, I had a, a, a strong devotion to divine mercy, wow. and even more so, I would frequent Eden Hill. I would, oh I would go to the, the shrine, and Father Seraphim Michalinko was uh, uh, generally my, my primary confessor, and what a blessing. You yeah, know, I, I I don't want to give my sins away no, publicly, but I can you. tell you he is a great, great confessor. You know, I, let me re-echo that for you because I I said to a friend of mine who is a priest, uh, he had the opportunity to go to Father Sefer, and I said I love going to confession to him. His mm. his absolution and 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 his confession was something 
special. It really was spectacular. Mm. Father, I'll tell you, hold, mm. hold on a second. I've got to take a quick break. I'm up against the clock here. Let me just take a short pause. We come back. We can talk a little bit more. If you want to join us, we're talking Divine Mercy, the image, um, and actually where it hangs. I, I, I just a couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine, Fran Borden, had called me and we were in a conversation. He told me about the one of the original images, one of the first images in the United States has made its way to this to our country back in the early 1940s. Now, remember, Faustina died in 38, right? She died in 38. And this image made it all the way to the United States. You could go. You can go to this church if you want and pray there. You could go to the National Shrine of Divine Mercy, too, if you want to. But I, I, I've not been here. And I'm going to hop a flight. I'm going to come out and see you guys soon, I hope. I'd love to be able to to pray at that very church for Father Seraphim celebrated his first Mass and where that image hangs. But we could talk more on the other side. If you want to join us, you got a question or you want to join the conversation, number to get in is 888-914-9149. We'll be back with more right after this. Did you like what Drew and the guest had to say? Get caught up on this conversation and all the others by going to the relevant radio archives. Just search for The Drew Mariani Show. Hey, today we'd like to thank Tammy, who was listening in Florida for donating her 2016 BMW Z4. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. That's relevantradio.com slash car. Surely goodness, surely Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me. It's great to be here today. It was on this day in 1931 that St. Faustina had an unbelievable encounter with Jesus Christ. He came as a, well, as our resurrected Lord, really, if you think about it. He appeared dressed in white. And we have this beautiful image of these rays pouring forth from his heart of red and white. And that's the image of divine mercy that you often see. And I thought I'd talk not just today a little bit about divine mercy, and I'll open the phones in a few minutes. We can take a few more of your calls. But, but I thought we'd talk also about the connection here to the States. And I just discovered that one of the first images uh, of the divine mercy image actually hangs in a church in Adams, Massachusetts, a church called St. Stan's. And uh, if you ever get to there, stop by and visit, say a prayer before. Remember St. Faustina died on October 5th, 1938. So when you hear stories about soldiers having these images or you hear about how an image made it to Massachusetts in the early 1940s and has hung there ever since, it's pretty amazing. The, the image has been indulgence with lots of different promises. What, there was another story I once heard, and this is not in the diary. Before St. Faustina was told by Blessed Sapochko to keep a diary of her spiritual experiences, she used to put them on pieces of paper. And, gosh, I can't remember. There was the, I think the vice postulate for Blessed uh, Sapocho's cause, or somebody told me this. There, there's one passage where it says, "Those the, the Lord promised that I will save those cities and houses in which this image will be found, and I will likewise protect the persons who will honor and trust in my mercy. The Lord had made many promises with the image. He promised special graces. He says, by means of this image, I shall be granting many graces to souls. So let everyone have access to it. Uh, if you don't have a divine mercy image, I recommend you get one. Right? I, I love it, just like many people have Sacred Heart Devotion or a crucifix in your home. I think this is a really beautiful 
Uh, it's really, it's a beautiful image to have. Uh, and there is, as I said, one in Adams. If you ever get a chance to, or you want to get to Massachusetts, check it out, make a pilgrimage there and pray before it. I'm joined right now by the pastor uh, from uh, St. Stanislaus. It's great to have with me. Uh, Father Paul Norman. Father, thank you for, for being here. I only have a few minutes. We'll take a call or two, but before we do, yeah. some some final thoughts from you, um, both on the image and on the way God is working and spreading divine mercy, mm. and in a particular way, yeah. how your church has been anointed, I think, by having to, you know, play a role in all this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know, I believe, and I trust in that anointing as well, and 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 we have to remember, you know, uh, earlier we were talking about how... how uh, Beauty and goodness, we're talking about the transcendentals and how beauty and goodness leads us to truth. And, uh, and, and that's at the forefront of every Mass that's celebrated, that the author of beauty and goodness, who is truth itself, uh, transcends time. So that heaven and earth come together, and that's what happens at every Mass. It's where heaven and earth meet, yeah. and God's mercy is made present to his people in a profound and special way through the Holy Eucharist. But we have to remember, too, I was listening to you earlier talking about the image of divine mercy and, 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 and Jesus's message to uh, Maria Faustina that the, that the image itself will never be perfect. Right. It'll never be totally and completely beautiful because it's not the author of truth. Rather, it's his grace that abounds not the image, but his grace. So important for us to recognize that because then we can see the beauty and the goodness for what it was. Then it truly becomes transcendent so that we understand that this beauty and this goodness has led us to the fullness of God, who is truth itself. That's beautiful to think about and reflect upon. And 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 that's what the, my prayer is when I, I kneel before the image of divine mercy is that people through that image and its beauty and its goodness will lead them to God's grace. Oh, how beautiful. How beautiful. Mm, well, I, yeah. I look forward to visiting your church. I can't wait to, to yeah, see it and, and sure. see that image. I'll pray before it. If anybody wants to see it, they can go to the website too, because I looked at your, your parish website as well, and there's images of it there. And that divine mercy image that you have hanging in there is a little bit different than some of the other ones that I've seen before, but mm, it's mm, like the one mm. I bet that lady had on her holy card. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, the the original divine mercy image is is seen at the shrine itself. Uh, you know, there's a variety of images, and we see this more some more contemporary images. But but the the first image that was presented is not what we oftentimes see on the internet. You'll see a variety of different images. But it's more like the one that uh, is 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 held in our church, and that was. Uh, uh, directly given to Maria Faustina. So uh, that's that's just uh, beautiful to contemplate and meditate upon. Yeah. You know, I would say, you know, we worked incredibly hard uh, to, to put a website together. I can take very little credit for that because I have a, an outstanding <laughs> team that I work with. So uh, I, I will say, if you're interested in learning more about our endeavor and our, our goal and, and what we're doing, go to sskpreservation.org, SSK preservation.org and that'll give you more information if you like the historical segment that was offered by Eugene Michalinko then you'll love the website because it's filled with images history and and just the beauty and goodness of of uh, our church and the divine mercy image so 
with that said, I think uh, at this time we'd we'd like to have Kathy Lazinski, who is the chairperson for our preservation fund committee, to say a few words. Unless, of course, Drew, you have some other no, questions. That's fine, Kathy. Things. It's good to have you. What's, what's going on there? I've delighted Hi, to have you. On. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and thank you, Father, um, for inviting us um, today. Yeah, we um, we started back in 2019. Um, our property committee realized that we were having some issues with the steeple at our church. Mm-hmm. And so we had a study done um, that basically came back, and the report was we needed to raise $2.8 million in order to resolve this issue. Uh, many of the parishioners were dis- uh, discouraged, um, but several were still hopeful. And then what happened? COVID hit. Um, we had our pastor reassigned. We had a temporary priest. Then we had an administrator until finally Father Paul was here. And so we picked up the um, the study of what needed to be done and put together a plan, presented it to the bishop, and following um, some additional issues that we realized we had with some mold, the new report came in that we needed over $5 million. Wow. And we gave a presentation to the bishop. Kathy, just so you know, I only have about three minutes before I need to take a break. I don't mean to step on you. Okay. But just if if we can summarize, you know, what's what's happening, it'd be great. Absolutely. So the bishop... Um, anyhow, did give us permission to go with phase one. We're currently attempting to raise $1.3 million. Uh, Many feel that that's impossible, but many of us feel very positive that the good Lord wants our church preserved for the many reasons, um, including the divine mercy. And so we do have that fundraising going on right now. We have a goal of $250,000 from parishioners. And we're about, we're just about there. We have, we've raised about $216,000. And so now we're relying on the outside sources um, through our website. And um, so that's pretty much where we're at now. We're a fighting crew. I'm not yeah. sure if you had ever heard about the vigil with St. Stan's, but we're fighters. And well, we're bound and determined to keep this church open. Well, as, as you know, right, uh, Kathy and, and everyone there, I mean, God is a God of providence. I've seen his hand. And, and Fran, I know you know that too. You've seen that many, many times. We will certainly pray for your endeavor because you house, a, 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 I think, a national treasure, Father. And uh, I, I hate to see any church close. If people want more information, I guess, because I'm up against the clock, the best way to go is what? Uh, what's the website? FSKpreservation.org. So go check it out. Check out the images of Divine Mercy. Check out the the church, and uh, you know, pray about uh, pray about maybe visiting it and seeing what you can do to to of course help. All right, hey guys, friend, uh, Father Eugene, thank you all, Kathy, for being here. It's great thank to you, be Drew. with you. I'm up against thank the you, clock, uh, but I will be back again. I'll put a link up for your uh, for your website. People can check out those images. Stay with me when I come back. I'll grab a call or two, and we'll talk more. Don't go away. Hey, if you have real estate or land that you no longer need, well, consider the advantages of donating it to Relevant Radio. The process is easy, and the tax advantages can be huge. Learn more at relevantradio.com property.
The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, I'll tell you what, I got a few minutes. Let's open the phones. I'll take a few of your calls, too. If you want to talk to Mercy, I'd love to hear how you were introduced to it. Um, have you fallen in love with it? Has it given you comfort in times of trial? Have you received protection as a result of the image? And, and, and I'll share with you, there's two really cool stories um, that really illustrate how God does protect, that he is in charge of everything and how quite often his protection can defy the the laws of nature. But first, let me go to the phones. We'll go to Illinois. Bill is listening to us there in uh, Stager, Illinois. Hi, Bill. Thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, Drew. Um, you know, I was reading a story that um, Father Seraphim, uh, about the time when they brought the image to St. Stanislaus, um, and Father Walter had visited Hmm. Father Seraphim's house, we knew his father, and he gave him a copy wow. of the image, and they had that hanging in his house when Father um, Seraphim was uh, like 13, 14 years old, wow, cool. and that had inspired him to um, seek religious life. Bill, I, I wish you were, I wish we got to you a little bit earlier with the uh, Massachusetts Divine Mercy contingent there. Because uh, they come mm-hmm. from that very parish where Father Seraphim not only grew up, but where he prayed before that image and celebrated his first Mass. That's a great story. I did not know that. I appreciate you sharing that with me. Thanks so much for yeah. uh, for calling in. Yeah, and I, you know, I think uh, I think the saints choose us. I often say that. Um, I remember praying at the tomb of Saint Faustina, uh, not you know having any devotion at all to Divine Mercy, just going over there to you know produce and to direct and to, to shoot. And, uh, you know, I think God gave me a great gift. He allowed me to help spread the message of divine mercy, just as Father Seraphim was exposed to this. Father Seraphim Michelangelo, and I don't want to canonize anybody before the church, but again, I mean, he was my mentor. He taught me everything I knew about the divine mercy. And we really have this devotion in part due to Blessed Sapochko. And, uh, Blessed Sapochko never saw the ban- there was a ban of divine mercy. He never saw that overturned. He died before that happened. And of course, Sefer Michelenko, as I said, was responsible for uh, you know so many of the miracles that led to Saint Faustina being raised to the altar. And uh, if you're new to divine mercy, you know, learn about it. I'm telling you, it'll change your spirituality. It has profoundly impacted mine, and I have just seen wonderful miracles. I've always been devoted to the Rosary. That's been the staple of my. My prayer life for years, my mother would pray it all the time, and we've seen the fruit of it in our own family in terms of conversions and healings and finances and miracles. And then I came to learn of the Chapel of Divine Mercy, and these are two two treasures, right? They're two weapons uh, that you have in each hand, you know? And, and I, I would encourage you to pray both of these. They, they move the heart of God. They really, they really do. And um, I'll tell you what— uh, Divine Mercy, I'll just leave it at that. It, it, it will certainly, certainly change your life. Um, you can join me. I'll have a few minutes. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. All right, let me, let me share with you um, just uh, a real quick story of, uh, of a man I knew who took this image. As I said, I have one in my car. I have one in my office. I have... One at home. There's one here in my studio, right? There's, I have, I have images all over. 
The Lord said, by means of this image, I will grant graces to souls. I'll grant graces to souls. So let them have access to it. I remember one day um, being the keynote speaker at an event. And after I pulled into the parking lot, I was making my way to the venue. I, I was stopped by a man. He says, hey, are you Drew are you Drew Mariani from Relevant Radio? And I said, yeah, I, I am. And I was proceeding to make my way up to the venue because I had to get ready to give this talk. And uh, he said, I listen to your show all the time. You know, I love your broadcast. I love praying the chapel with you every day. And he went on to share with me uh, his devotion to divine mercy and how it ultimately changed his life, how it even impacted his family. And he says, do you mind giving me a few minute, minutes? You know, I want to share something with you, something that happened to my son. And, and I paused for a minute. I'm thinking, oh, okay, I hope this is not long because sometimes, you know, people tell you these long stories, right? And, but he was a normal guy. He understood that, you know, I had somewhere to go. I said, I'm sure. I'd love to hear it. So he took a breath. He looked very somber. And I wasn't sure what he was about to share. And he went on to tell me about a telephone call he received one night. It was in the middle of the evening. It's a, it's a phone call that you as a parent never want to hear when your kids are out. Phone rings. When that phone rings, 2.30 a.m., you wonder, uh-oh, that's never good news, right? Somebody's not going to call me at 2.30 unless there's some bad news. And the man says, look, Drew, I remember this day like it was yesterday. Uh, it was late. Phone rang at 2.30. It was a rainy night. It was dark. And my son had been out all night, and he was not home yet. Uh, he didn't call, so my wife and I decided, you know, around midnight to go to bed. And we figured, okay, he'll be home soon. Um, when that phone startled me from my sleep, um, I hear a voice on the other end, and it was a police officer. And it said, uh, the officer told me, he says, uh, sir, uh, your son was in a very violent car accident, and we need you to come down to the site. Um, frantic, you know, he told his wife what happened. He jumped out of bed, threw his clothes on, and he raced to the site of the accident. And the father was shocked by what he saw. You know, the lights flashing everywhere. They flooded the wet roads and reflected off it. There were police and emergency vehicles that lit up the area, you know, in that cold, eerie light. And he just remembered looking around, and there he saw his vehicle. He saw the car that his son was driving. And the top of this car was sheared off. The rest of the car was pinned underneath the back of a tractor trailer. And the father's heart sunk. The front of the car was nothing more than crumpled, mangled steel. And the father said that his head just reeled. He expected the worst. He expected the officer was going to tell him that his son was dead. Um, nobody could survive that accident. He, he looked at it. It was horrible. And these thoughts were racing through his mind as that officer who called him came up. And the father explained he was the owner of the car. And that his, the officer said, well, apparently your son was driving. And before he could even ask about his son, uh, I guess maybe the officer sensing the father's reaction, he said to the dad, he says, you are one lucky father. He says, I, I've been a, a highway patrolman for years. Accidents like this, well... It just don't end well. Sir, I don't know how your son survived. I, I don't have an explanation for it, but when I looked at that car, I, I can't explain it. I just can't. Uh, my wife would say this was a miracle, the officer said to him. So the father's trying to process these words. Suddenly, relief washes over him, right? He couldn't do anything. He simply began to break down and cry. I'd probably do the same thing. 
And the man remembers walking over to the car and he peered in to see, you know, what it looked like. And he instantly knew the reason his son survived. The father had given his son a divine mercy image prayer card. And he told him, place it in the visor of the car and leave it there. Now lying there on the seat was that image. Father had no doubt that our Lord told St. Faustina, those who venerate that image would be protected. He said to her in diary entry 48, I promise souls that will venerate this image will not perish. I promise victory over their enemies here on earth and especially at the hour of death. I will defend them as my own glory. It's one of a number of stories that I can recount to you. Let me go. I'll take a few phone calls. We have a few moments left. Uh, Tony is in uh, Michigan. Tony, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Drew. Thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, I just wanted to comment on both the Rosary and the Divine Mercy Chapel, but especially Divine Mercy. So back in 2020, my wife, we, we tragically lost her dad. Uh, he was going through a really rough time. I'm not going to go into the details, but we we lost him too soon. And I remember when my uh, my wife learned the news, you know, obviously she was a wreck. She got a phone call and was told about this situation. And she was just kind of on the ground. And here I was next to her. And I was like, well, how? It was almost like an immediate reaction. I said, well, you know, let, let, me just, let me just start praying the Divine Mercy Chapel. Let's just pray. Let's just pray. Because it was just one of those sudden deaths that, like, yeah. You know, as, a, as she's the only daughter, the youngest, I mean, it just it, it hit her like a ton of bricks. And I remember it felt like the Divine Mercy Chapel was the only thing that was kind of giving both her especially, but me comfort, you know, oh, in that wow. moment. Um, and praise God before, you know, the weeks before he he died, uh, it, my mother-in-law was, was praying the rosary with him and the Divine Mercy Chapel with him to kind of try and get him out of this depressed funk and, and all that. And you know, it's just, it just seems like those two devotions were the things that gave yeah. our whole family a sense of comfort, you know? Yeah. Um, so, just I, I, to share I, that. Well, Tony, I re that. I, I'm the same way. I mean, I, I love both of those prayers. And they each, I think, give you something yeah. a little bit different. You know, they're so beautiful, so powerful, so contemplative. And the fruit of them is just off the charts. I'm sorry for your, your wife's loss. Um, but thank you for calling and That's for okay. sharing that. You shared it beautifully. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, Tracy is in South Carolina, uh, the uh, Myrtle Beach area, uh, Myrtle's Inlet. Uh, Tracy, good afternoon. Hi, Drew. Hey, Tracy. Um, you remember me from the pilgrimage back in September? Oh, back um, in, yeah, I sure. Italy. To South Carolina. Yep. Yes. Um, I just wanted to share, I just had a recent incident where I believe um, Divine Mercy Image protected me in a car uh, situation. We were coming from dinner. It was dark. I felt sure I had looked both ways. Started to make my turn, and all of a sudden, I hear my husband saying, "What are you doing?" Oh and gosh. there was a car coming upon us. Um, I, I didn't know what to do except for to continue, but I thought for sure we were going to be smashed. We weren't. The, the car oh. was able to go next to us and speed on. And I kept thinking about it the next day, like, "What in the world? How could I have done that?" how were we, you know, spared? And then I looked up, um, and on my visor is the divine mercy image. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's how I love it. But, um, I, I love it. I have a situation. 
Yeah. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I've been praying it for many, many years. My cousin introduced it to me years and years ago, and I've been praying it daily um, ever since. Well, thank you, Tracy, for calling and sharing. It's good to hear your voice again. And I'm like you. I keep one in my car. I would encourage people. Again, these are not magic, you know, charms. You have to really trust in the promise of our Lord and and, and venerate his image. But today's a special day. It's the day that he appeared. I keep one on my phone, too, Tracy. I keep one in the back of my phone, so it's always with me. Anywhere I go, I've got it. Hey, say a prayer for me, okay? I'll remember you when I see my prayers. I'm going to stop in chapel now. I hope to see you again. Thanks. My apologies to everyone else on hold. I don't think I have time to take any more, do I, Mag? All right. Um, yeah, you know what? Um, uh, let me leave it at that. Karen in San Diego, uh, thank you. And uh, Nassim and, and everyone else, I'm grateful. I'd love to hear that near-death experience story, but I'm out of time. Uh, look, you want to learn more about Divine Mercy? Uh, do your research and you can check out the divinemercy.org. That's a, a website. Um, relevant, I believe our website has information and prayers. One of the most beautiful prayers I like to pray, in addition to the chaplet, is the Litany of Trust. And there's one written by a Sisters of Life, but I like the one that is, uh, you can find that on the Divine Mercy site. Powerful prayer. I'm out of time for the day. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for allowing me to share part of my day with you. I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to say a prayer for you right now. I'm heading over to the chapel, okay? So say a prayer for me. Remember, God loves you. He is good and he is merciful. I love you too. Have a great day.